It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay them but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today, it's me, your boy, Jay King from MassLive.com with Sam Jam Packard, the great. We're going to be talking some Gershon Yabuselli today, the the first round draft pick, the 16th overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft, has made his D-League debut, played two games for the main Red Claws this weekend. He spent the season in China, impressed in China, but really that league, it's tough to evaluate prospects in that league just because of the way it's set up. You have two imports on the court, otherwise not really the greatest talent level um and so so it was it was interesting to see yabu in action in america in the d league playing against some guys that are close to nba level talent that could really play in the nba borderline nba talent so interesting interesting stuff sam you you saw the highlights i watched both of the games full games I, I did it so you guys didn't have to. Uh, I mean, the highlights like look good. He's a big body. I know. I was going to ask you, like, how much easier is it to evaluate uh, the dancing bear in the D League than it is like when he's in China? I mean, clearly the the talent is better, but it's still the D League or the G League. So, I mean, in the highlights, he looks like a big guy who has some some skills around the rim a little bit, just because he has a giant ass, but. I can't really tell other than that. So you tell me, was he was, was he like a good overall performance or was it just the kind of the pick and pops that I saw on like kind of the, the putbacks? Okay, so he did some really fun stuff offensively. And let, let's let's get this out of the way. He missed a month. Like he was out of action for a month. He had an ankle injury in the Chinese Basketball Association playoffs. He was he was out of action for a month, had some visa issues to work through. Finally, 
played with the Red Claws. So it's, it had been a while since his last game. He was probably a little rusty. <laughs> Offensively, he, he's really interesting because he's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan, and he is just enormous. I mean, <laughs> he is a huge – like he is – he would be – he's an offensive tackle. Like that type of a- athleticism, burst, strength – he has it, and he's just huge. If, if he wanted to play football, he could. He's, he's got the build for it. He's certainly athletic enough for it. He could probably play on the D-line or O-line if, if he had chosen to go that route instead. I, I don't know Very little, I'm guessing. Play in France. Um, but <laughs> but, but he, he has ball skills, too. And so, like, there was one play in the second game where he caught a rebound, and... Didn't outlet it, just dribbled it up himself. ISO'd the other power forward who was skinnier, shorter, probably supposed to be quicker, and crossed him over, did a Euro step, and finished with the left hand oh. at the rim. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Big, big, guys, big guys aren't meant to do that. And he hit four of six three-pointers. He is currently 11 of 17 from the floor in the D-League. That's 64.7%. He racked up 12 free throw attempts over the two games. So, and nine offensive rebounds in the two games. So, so, so he did some really, really good stuff offensively. Like, he is, he's tough to stop. And, and he, he's, it's just like a, a weird feel. He's going to be able to spread the court, I think. I think he's going to be a good enough shooter, ultimately, that, that he will spread the floor at the NBA level. And he'll be able to drive closeouts because he's, he's quick. He can put the fo- ball on the floor a little bit. He had some trouble with turnovers. <laughs> it was funny because, <laughs> because I, in, in China, they, they must not call travels the way they do in America. Because, like three or four times, he caught the ball at the three-point arc and tried to. They did not include that in the highlight package that I saw. (laughs) No, and 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 he was kind of looking around like, "What the hell, man? Like I've been making these moves all year in China, and this has worked out." Uh, So, so he had some issues, I think, with the adjustment. You could see it. He he shuffled his feet a little bit before the drives but obviously that's that's not a long-term concern that's not something that will will bother him down the road but it, it was it was pretty funny to see uh he didn't post up at all I, I think I don't think that's really a part of his game at least from from the two games that I watched it was mostly pick and pop stuff mostly driving closeouts he had some isos and he looked pretty good and iso like he has a skill set which which is intriguing like a lot of people before the draft I mean, it was probably the laziest comparison ever, but some people were saying, you know, has some Jared Sullinger to him. But they have really different games. Like, like very, very extraordinarily different games. So that, that's, that's a lazy comparison. Do not compare Gershon Yabuselli to Jared Sullinger. Just please, because two people please, have giant God, asses do does not mean they uh, play basketball in a similar fashion. People can use giant asses for many different advantages. And it's exactly. not uh, – they're not the same people. It's lazy, guys. Exactly. So stop, stop being lazy. Um, what else did he do? Yeah, he, he didn't post up. He tried to post up 
a Windy City Bulls guard one time and didn't really get a seal. They didn't end up finding him. Uh, passing, he didn't make any great passes, but he, he spotted the open man a few times, including once where he ISOed, broke a guy down a little bit-ish, and then found a guy in the corner for a jumper. Uh, one time they like... Two guys ran at him at the arc, and he found the guy wide open in the corner, the opposite corner for three. So he, he he's got he's got like a really really intriguing skill set for an offensive player, and he, he he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a competent at least NBA player offensively. Ultimately, at, at, and and if he can shoot, if if he if he's a good three point shooter, he like everything will open up for him. He, he's a huge, huge man, and he can move. He can move. The Dancing Bear is a great nickname, man. It's funny because Micah Shrewsbury said that, and it just caught on. And <laughs> even like the the announcers in the D League games were calling him a Dancing Bear. <laughs> the, the, the Dancing Bear nickname really caught on. Um, well, that's the big what, what issue. Else, I feel like uh, there's. It's really good yeah, sign that he can shoot right now, just because in the modern. NBA, if you come in as like as a big, I guess who can't, you're, unless you're like kind of dominant, Carl Anthony, even like the the big centers who are like Joel Embiid who are coming into the game now, all of them can shoot. So if you basically are coming in the NBA as a big and can't shoot, eh, that would be a bad sign. So the fact that he's knocking down some triples shows that he has he has some room to grow in the NBA and hopefully he can fix the things. But the thing that worries me is the the defense. I've heard some people talk about how he's. He's going to learn to, like, the footwork is not there or the foot speed necessarily is not there. And that worries me as someone who knows that Brad Stevens is the coach of the uh, of the Celtics. And if you want playing time, as I feel like we would see with Jalen Brown this year, you've got to, like, hold your own on the defensive end of the court. So how was he on defense? Yeah, I'll say this. You can see exactly how he's going to fit in a, an NBA offense. Like he's going to pick and pop, he's going to drive closeouts, he's he's going to be effective in those ways. Defensively, I don't know if he has like that same natural fit. Like they they tried switching a lot of screens, especially in the first game, and he was getting he was getting roasted by Damian Wilkins. Damian Wilkins is playing in the D League, by the way, which is is magical. Uh, like Damian Wilkins played three years with Ray Allen on the Seattle Supersonics, and that, that and means he's like forty-five years old. Zone, What's he still Seattle doing in the D League? In the D League, I I think he's thirty-seven. He's trying to make that NBA comeback, man. But it it was really funny because Damian Wilkins, like, he really got it going. And <laughs> I mean, Damian Wilkins from the NBA was not the type of guy who got it going, but. But he got it going. He was like ISOing and he was mean mugging people after making jumpers. It was it was an interesting world. Uh but but Yabuselli, like they tried switching a lot. And he has it, it's it's weird because he has really quick feet offensively and like really good feet. His footwork is like to for a guy his size, six eight, two seventy or however much he weighs, to Euro step and finish with the left hand is is outrageous. And then he was he was switching, and he he was just a step slow. I, I don't know if he's incapable of of ultimately switching one day. I I think I think he's poor with angles. Like he he didn't he didn't show the right angle, and part of it too. Like again, he he missed a month. He's adjusting to a new league, a new level of competition. Um, 
But like, so so in the NBA, right? Like, you either have to be a four who can switch, or at least at times switch, or you need to be a five who can protect the rim. And and he didn't do much much rim protect. He didn't make too much of an impact uh, when he was off the ball. And then when he was on the ball, uh, like smaller guys went by him too often. He was he didn't like several times. He didn't take the right angles and. And I, I do think like he is quick enough, and he's super strong, and he's long. So so th- there's like a again there, there's a big skill set defensively. But he he's a 21 year old kid. He played for a pretty bad team from from what I know in France. He played in China, where there's only a couple of threats on the floor at all times for the opposing team. So defense, I, I think there will probably be a, a real learning curve. For him, when when he steps onto an NBA court in training camp in the fall, because like I said, like you need to either go one way and become a switcher, or the other way and become a rim protector, or be like Draymond Green, who who Yabusele kind of like if if asked for an NBA comparison, he'll say Draymond Green. Well, Draymond Green can do both those things, and he can do both those things as well as any big man. So. He, that's going to be the the biggest issue for Yabusele. Like offense, offense, I don't think is going to be an issue. He's going to shoot. He's going to score. He's he's going to give real traditional bigs problems. But but defensively, I I'm not sure yet where he fits in. And that's okay. Like he's 21. He hasn't played an NBA game. He obviously like there's a huge adjustment coming to him when when he does get to the NBA. He'll he'll be a rookie next year, assuming that the Celtics do sign him so like that that's to be expected a lot of that is to be expected but what it sounds like to me what you're saying is that he is uh like the replacement for Jonas Jerebko because Jerebko is like a definitely a little bit taller than um the dancing bear but Jerebko is a four who doesn't offer that much rib protection he does a little sum and I'm assuming better than Gershon but he also struggles switching out onto screens and always gets cooked whenever he has to guard a, a small forward I, I I would I would disagree with that. I I think Jerebko is pretty a momentary switcher. switcher. Like, he can not, do it in like, like the late a, in the shot clock. But if you if, if he ever gets isoed, I feel like he's always getting beat off the dribble by like quicker uh, threes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but not like Damian Wilkins types. <laughs> like that, that's like that's like when he switches onto like. John Wall or somebody, you know, like so. There, there's a huge difference between getting like it was. It was Damian Wilkins, and Damian Wilkins was giving him a lesson, and Damian Wilkins' team noticed it, and they were time after time setting a screen so that Yabu ended up on Wilkins, and and they they were kind of trying to pick apart that matchup, and it it worked out well for the most part for for Wilkins' team, so. I mean, Jarebko is, well, just, is a much, much better defender at this point. It feels like that's like kind of the logical <laughs> Yab- like replacement or the space that Yabu would fit in um, with this team next year. And you're hoping that because he has such quick feet and is so athletic that, you know, a year within the Celtics system, working with Celtics coaches, working with like much better players, he would kind of be able to mold that uh, that kind of physical ability into actual kind of defensive um just being better on the defensive end. Production, yeah, and and 
and to, to be clear, like I am, I'm just reacting to two games, but but my reactions from from scouting those two games and and literally just watching him was very similar to the the draft report pre draft report from Kevin O'Connor last year, and very similar to the pre draft report from Draft Express, which is that this guy has a lot of physical tools. He's got a a really impressive skill set for a guy his size offensively and defensively the the impact just just isn't there yet so i think a lot of it like like kevin actually mentioned in in his draft report will be how, how receptive is yabuselli to teaching how 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 hard will he work to correct the mistakes because he he, he does have quick feet he's not like the the most laterally quick guy but but he 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 can move <laughs> especially for a guy his size it, it's it's kind of stunning to see a big man move like that. And there were a couple times in transition, like he grabbed one rebound, he threw an outlet pass, and he just charged down the court. And it was like, whoa, whoa, that that guy that guy can really move. Um, but but defensively, side to side, and I think the the lack of of angles. There, there was one time he he was guarding in the post, and a guy just like swept through to the baseline, got by him for an easy bucket. It, it the 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 defensive impact really, really wasn't great, and it, it, of course, like, like as I said before, everything is going against him. Like, he played his first two games for a D League team, the last two games of the regular season. All, all these other guys have, like Jordan Mickey, Demetrius Jackson, those guys have been playing with the Celtics and Red Claws all year. The other guys have been playing in the D League all year. These guys have been playing together all year, and he just comes floating in from China, from China to to get his first action in a month so it was the worst type of environment to try to evaluate a talent I think <laughs> so so here here I am doing it anyway but <laughs> but that's because you know it, it's interesting and and he's the, you know the 16th overall pick he could be on the roster next year and the Celtics who knows what their front court will look like Amir Johnson free agent Kelly Olynyk, restricted free agent. Tyler Zeller has a non-guaranteed year next year. Jonas, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting someone else who's, who's a free, the entire. Yeah, Jonas Jerebko, another free agent. So literally, their entire front court, with the exception of Al Horford, could be gone next year. And and if they if they do what they want to do this summer, which is sign someone like like Gordon Hayward, I'm assuming, then they won't. Well, that's my is that those guys at least it's not even a guarantee so, that the they bring the dancing bear to boston next year just because i'm not sure how it, sure it works exactly with the cap space but, but i think if they want to sign a max player they're either and bring the dancing bear over they would have to renounce kelly olenek and probably trade someone like terry rozier just to have enough space so it's not even a guarantee it feels like at least in the kind of the rumors that have been swirling that zizic is definitely coming over but there's still a chance that uh, the dancing bear could head back to China or somewhere in the Euro League because it's, he's not automatic that he's coming back um, next season. Yeah, yeah. It seems it seems like like he probably will, and and it all depends too on a whether they can sign someone, b where the salary cap lands, and c what else they decide to do. But somehow they're gonna have to fill out the rest of their front court. And yeah, Abu like who knows he could be a guy that gets minutes next year so 
Zizic, same thing. I, I think Zizic will be in the rotation next year. I, I'm just saying that because he's he's had a nice year in the EuroLeague, which is the number two league behind the NBA. He's a big kid, really good rebounder, seems like a really good finisher. So I, I, I'm thinking Zizic will be in the rotation. And Yabuselli, who knows? But offensively, yes. Defensively, <laughs> needs some work. Like the, the they really the first game especially they really they really tried to pick on him, and and it, he he failed to make an impact on a lot of different plays. So well, uh, um, so that's but, but, that's the yeah, that's the dancing done. bear um, synopsis. But you just watched two D league games. Did any other uh, Red Claws players like stick out? Was was the dance? Dancing Bear, the sole focus was Abdel. Like, how was how was our main man Abdel Nader yes. doing? So he only played one of the games, which is too bad. Um, he played fine. Jordan Mickey actually. So the the second game, Yabuselli played. It was his first start, and Jordan Mickey scored the first eleven points. Like post up, post up, post up three. Another bucket. It was, it was impressive. First eleven points, all in three minutes. I was like, "All right, Jordan Mickey, I see you, I see you." And and still, I, I feel bad. I almost feel bad for Jordan Mickey because he had a like he had a monster game. He had twenty eight points, and and Yabu, Yabu stole the shine with with seven of nine shooting, three of four from behind the arc, twenty points, eleven rebounds, and I mean. Yabu, Yabu, he <laughs> he had some offensive rebounds where he just like charged from the three point arc, jumped up and just like yanked it from people. He he might hurt someone in the NBA next year, like like inadvertently hurt someone. But but he's a big, fast moving man. But yeah, jo- Jordan Mickey looked 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 good. Um, Demetrius Jackson had some moments. Nader had some moments, but. But I I, mean, I I mostly focused on Yabuselli just because we've had time to evaluate those other guys, and they've played in the D League for a long time. But but for me, it was more out of curiosity to see Yabuselli, and and you know see how he would adjust to the D League. And, and really, again, I said the worst circumstances possible for him to do it. But I mean, overall, he he looked pretty good. He's averaging right now. 18 and a half points, 10 rebounds. That, that's pretty good. But he doesn't have a block. You know, no no rim protection to speak of. Uh, so, yes, two thumbs up for the offense. There you go. That's the J. <laughs> King official report. And I believe the, the Red Claws are now yeah. in the D-League playoff. So, you get a chance. Yeah, so going against the, the, more. the yeah, Fort Wayne Mad Ants. One of the stars of the the better teams in the D League, which I have no idea, but it feels like a fun thing to say. What is the point of the D League playoffs? Like, do they not? uh, It's not like before. What do you get if you win the D League championship? Pride. No, damn right. Pride. (laughs) Pride. Pride, man. Before we before we get off the D League, and we're we're gonna do a mystery machine 
I just want I just want to touch one more time. Like like Damian Wilkins, man. Damian Wilkins out there at like ninety seven years old, just working dudes over. He was he he had this one move, it was like the classic old man move. He was in the post and ball faked ball, he he ball faked a, a low pass and the guy the guy looked at the pass and then he shot it over the top of his head. And it, it was just like like the craftiest old man move that that you could ever see. And then he was like like wagging his tongue, celebrating it. And he he, he had forty points, man. Damian freaking Wilkins, like like the role player from the Seattle SuperSonics, like nine hundred years ago. It was it was incredible just seeing him out there. That that was that was fun for me. That that was a true joy to see. Damian you have a lot Wilkins. of a, a a lot of Damian yeah, Wilkins feelings. To be honest, I had to Google him when you first brought him up because I no one really came to mind when you first said it. Um, so, I no see, see. I have I have I have no Damian Wilkins feelings, but it's just like like when you when you have those old guys that are just like a blast from the past that you haven't thought about in in ten years, and then all of a sudden you're you're trying to scout Gershon Yabuselli. And boom, <laughs> there, there, there's Damian Wilkins dropped out of the sky. It's it's a fun time, man. I I thoroughly enjoyed the Damian Wilkins experience. <laughs> way more than I yeah, should. Yeah, you're just, way, we're just going to find you watching Windy City Bulls games for the rest of the year, just looking for more Damian Wilkins moments. No. Oh, no, I apologize for my uh, my misstep, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get to the mystery machine. We've we've talked we've talked about Yabuselli. We have talked about <laughs> my man Damian Wilkins. Now now to the mystery machine. The Celtics still in first place in the Eastern Conference. Huge game coming up Wednesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'll give you the first picks. Uh, we we should explain it first. Mystery machine. So Jalen Brown over the summer tweeted a photo of the Scoob. It looked like the Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine and asked who should go in the Mystery Machine with him. We pick five guys every week to go in the Mystery Machine. We'll start um, with you, Sam. I'm going to be honest right now. I feel like the Mystery Machine um, has lost its luster as the Celtics' starting lineup has become so damn good since the like, kind of return of Avery Bradley. It's like, oh, we're just going to pick the starters every <laughs> yeah, week. Like- um, so it, it may have lost its luster. Maybe we'll have to like reduce it. Maybe make it like a mystery coop or something and name the top two or three players because I'm trying to struggle and think, think about why we wouldn't pick the top five. Avery Bradley had some uh, some intestinal issues, so he might not wake it this week. But my first pick has got to be Isaiah Thomas. He's had a crazy good week with a multiple performances over uh, 30 points in a game. Uh, it felt like he not really a dip. He was pretty consistent, but he wasn't putting up those 30 point performances for a while. And it's good to see him. Uh, before the playoffs, get back and return to being that kind of uh, volume scorer. So he's obviously going to be in the first spot of the mystery machine. I'm picking Al Horford because <laughs> he got dunked on and didn't even know it. Like, had absolutely no idea that he had been <laughs> dunked on by Chris Porzingis. The ball fell into his hands, and he tried to outlet it. <laughs> he tried to start a fast break. But it, it made sense because, it, like, if you saw the bounce, before, I don't think. like, the way it came off Where? the rim was not like it went through the hoop at all. And, like, he just kind of – it ended up, like, right, 
in his hands. I, I, I understood why he reacted the way he did, but you're right. It was he definitely deserved some points for that. It, it was funny because the it, it almost got at least one of the refs because they had to they had to huddle to decide what to do, and Al was Al was just trying to start the fast break, man, and and he got Porzingis back, dunked on him, so so Al Al's in the mystery machine for really uh, a joyful moment in what was really a boring game. The Knicks are bad. The Knicks, the <laughs> no, the never, never, mystery machine. they should cease to exist. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with Jay Crowder. Hopefully his uh, weird tingly elbow is uh, all right by Wednesday, but he's really stepped up his game just in terms of um, more consistent scoring, rebounding, uh, always going right. Just his ability to draw fouls when he's consistently always goes right uh, is damn impressive. So, Jay Crowder, come on down. I'm going. With, I'm going with Marcus Smart. I'm going to not go with all starters, and I'm going with Marcus Smart because he had a a, a good game against the Knicks. Shot above fifty percent for the first time in a long time. Um, <laughs> gave a, a ridiculous two for one at the end of that first half. <laughs> Pulled up from like thirty five feet, airballed it, and then threw a turnover after Brad Stevens had called a timeout with 2.6 seconds left in that second quarter within the span of 30 seconds. Just an interesting, interesting 30 seconds. But he was really good. He found Jalen Brown a few times. He threw down the, the left-handed alley-oop dunk. He he is shooting at 18.6% on three so, since the All-Star break. He has been very, very bad at shooting. Uh, yeah. Himmelsbach had a pretty good article on him today, and I think the tweet was of the top ten like worst three-man pairings uh, of the Celtics in terms of net rating. Marcus Smart is in all ten of them. So I don't know how much you can really like gleam from like three-man ratings, but it's yeah. just interesting to like like Marcus. I feel like Marcus Smart is like the biggest enigma the Celtics have, and we've spent probably four. 40- percent of the reigning jays podcast this year just discussing both his potential and his uh struggles yeah it's it's hard for me to to tell how much the on off numbers mean because he plays with mostly the bench and the bench hasn't been good and how much of of that is him and his struggles and how much of that is just yeah, he's he's on the court every time Isaiah comes off the court. So Obviously it's kind of like, is it just a product of the offense not being very good? I agree with you. Those numbers are it's it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, and and when he was in the when he was in the starting lineup for a while, like his his numbers were fantastic, the on off numbers. So it's it's tough it's tough to determine where like the personal responsibility begins. He, but he, I mean, his shooting has become a real issue. And combined with Terry Rozier shooting, that bench is, if they continue to shoot the way that they have, that is going to be a playoff issue, a real playoff issue. Because that's when teams really hone in on the scouting report and they will beg the wrong or the right players to shoot. And Marcus Smart, if he doesn't pull himself out of his ridiculous tails, but like he's always been a bad shooter. This 
feels like as as long and as as low as it's gotten for him. And and maybe it's not. I'm not I'm not 100% certain. But it has been a rough rough spell of shooting for for Marcus Smart and he's still he's still creating some plays off the bounce. I thought against Milwaukee he had a a really good uh, um floor game. But at some point and I don't think at some point already the the shooting issues have hindered them and it's really hurt them when when Isaiah Thomas is not off the court that's the biggest issue right now they just cannot score without him on the court they went scoreless for six minutes against the Bucks when he was on the bench a full six minutes with Isaiah Thomas on the bench the Celtics did not score a single damn point in the first half so Marcus Smart again I don't, I don't know exactly where the personal responsibility is but but he is going to need to to pull himself out of that to at least become a semi-respectable shooter by the time the playoffs come if they want to be as as strong as they can be. I, I think that that's that's a big key for them. If if he and Kelly Kelly Olynyk struggled shooting for a while, um, if if those guys can get back, I've been I've been while you're just talking about Marcus Smart, I've been looking at Basketball Reference just desperately trying to find someone who deserves this last mystery machine spot and i just i don't think you can go to avery bradley he hasn't played um amir's been decent but i don't think he deserves it kelly olenic inconsistent terry rozier had a nice game against the knicks but it was against the knicks so does that really count like who who had a good game against milwaukee orlando and the knicks like who's a th- like one player who played well in those three games it just doesn't like i'm almost just want to give it to gerald green because because he hit a buzzer beater against Orlando. And like I feel like there's going to be a playoff game this season where Gerald Green keeps the Celtics <laughs> in it, or like Gerald Green's stretch of four minutes where he scores 12 points is the reason the Celtics win a game. So I feel like that's... like I, I don't have any other better reasons than that. The only other person I can think of is just giving it to the Dancing Bear for having a... a just giving us 25 minutes of content. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, when you have to watch five hours of <laughs> basketball for twenty five, that ratio is not good. Content. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a great day. It is no, it is. Oh, that's day. it. We got to give Damian the last spot to Damian man. Wilkins, man. Damian freaking. Uh, fine. Damian Wilkins can always ride on the mystery machine. He might. He might have a. No, no. I'm. I'm not going to give him a, an all time ticket, but. We'll give him this this one time special invitation to, to the mystery machine, and we will wrap it up there. <laughs> uh, everybody who wants to subscribe to us, search for Locked On Celtics wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Audio Boom, S- Stitcher, wherever else, anywhere. Give us a five star rating if you can on that platform, and that's. That's it. That's it for this episode. The Gershon Yabuselli episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.